in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, so I get the great honor and I get the perk this morning of I'm closing out the series that we've been doing for the past um, five weeks. This is the fifth week. We've been in a series called Finding Joy. And I have loved this series. What I have loved about Finding Joy is in August of 2020, it is hard to find joy at the moment. But I've loved for the past few weeks that we've been concentrating on what are some ways that we can find joy in the midst of what's going on? What are some ways that we can give joy to others and help spread joy around? In fact, let me encourage you, if you have missed any of the past four weeks um, teaching, there are different ways that you can still watch. You can go back on Facebook and watch there. You can go on YouTube, and we have actually have a YouTube channel. If you look for Genesis Church LI, look for our logo, you will find us there. You can go to our website, genesisli.com. You can watch past things, or you can also listen. So if you just want to listen to it, you can do it there. Or you can go to the iTunes podcast store. If you go to podcasts on iTunes, look for Genesis Church. There's a lot of them. Look for our logo, okay? And here's what I'm going to encourage you to do if you do that. Go to our logo and hit subscribe. And then every time one of our teaching comes out, it will automatically download to your phone and you will have it there. So it's a great way to catch up. So for the past four weeks, um, Roger has been sharing about joy. Now, let me just quickly explain for those, because I know there's people watching who may not have watched before. Roger is dad, okay? So Roger and dad are two interchangeable. He's our lead pastor, but he's also my dad. So I will say for the past four weeks, If you have missed any of them, they have been fantastic, just really talking about joy. Except, last week, we kind of had a moment, and I'm sharing this with you. So last week, I was actually um, back in our projection booth, and I was sitting back there, I was working on one of the computers back there, and I heard Dad utter the words, I went to the Urban Dictionary, and my heart fell. Okay, because I did not know what was coming. And actually, there was a bunch of us back there, and we all looked at each other. And we said, oh my goodness, what is coming next? Okay, Urban Dictionary, great sometimes, but has some things in there that maybe for like a 70-year-old man may not be meaning what they did 60 years ago. They may mean something different now. So we didn't know what was coming. In fact, all right, I'll be honest with you. Back there somewhere in the production booth, there is a button, and it's called the kill switch, okay? And what the kill switch does is, if anything bad happens, it just kills the live stream, okay? That's what they tell me it does. And I've always wondered, why do we need it? Is it because somebody may rush the stage, or a band member goes rogue and starts saying bad words? But last week, I understood. Because I said, as soon as he said Urban Dictionary, I said, this is going to be the day that we're gonna need the kill switch. But actually, no, it was something great that dad found in the Urban Dictionary, so I have to give kudos to him, right? So if you have not heard last week, you need to go back. He found joy spreaders, okay? It wasn't a phrase I'd ever heard before, it was nothing that, but he found the term joy spreaders, and that's what last week's message was about. And joy spreaders, I don't remember the whole definition, but came down to this. If you are a joy spreader, when somebody spends time with you, they will feel like they met with Jesus. And that's who we want to be. We want to be people who, when people spend time with us, they feel like they met Jesus. So I decided that I would be brave. 
and that I would go see what else the Urban Dictionary has to say about joy, knowing that today I was going to be speaking about joy. And I found a different phrase in there. It's okay, we don't need the kill switch, John, okay? I found the term joy suckers, okay? And here's what a joy sucker is. People who suck the joy right out of you. Know any of those? Right now, you're, if you're poking the person next to you on the couch right now, it's probably not a good, uh, good sign. But joy suckers, people who suck the joy right out of you. And it got me thinking. And I'll be honest, there are people that we come in contact with who do. They suck the joy right out of us, right? It just, it's what happens. But then I got thinking even more. And I'm going to do something this morning that I probably shouldn't do. But I'm actually going to name my biggest joy sucker. The person who drains the most life out of me. And Charlotte Pendleton's biggest joy sucker is Charlotte Pendleton. Right? It's true. For most of us, or for me, maybe I'll just speak for myself, the person who sucks the most joy out of me is Charlotte Pendleton. But in actuality, of this 5 feet 10 body, there's probably about 5 feet 2 that is innocent of that. There is about eight inches that is the guilty party when it comes to sucking the joy out of Charlotte Pendleton. Right here. I stood with a ruler and I measured my head just so you know, because I knew I was going to say that. So it's accurate, eight inches. Black, Blackmores have big heads. Right? For most of us, when it comes to sucking the joy out of ourselves, most of it's happening up here. It's our thoughts. It's the things that go through our heads every day. Here is a crazy stat for you. Experts actually estimate that for most of us, we have between 12,000 and 50,000 thoughts per day. And they also estimate that the majority of those are negative. It's the things that go through my head, the things that are telling, are going on. Proverbs 23 verse seven says this, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So actually those things that are happening in my head, if they are joy sucking thoughts, if they are things that are preventing me from becoming a joy spreader, what is going on up here is actually determining who I am. It all starts with what's happening in my head. So if we want to be people who are so full of joy that we become the joy spreaders that dad talked about last week, we have to get control of what is happening in the eight inches. We have to get control of what is happening up here. And so today I'm really praying that God will, you know, help all of us in this area. I say me, but I am hoping that I'm not alone in the fact when I say that my thoughts are the issue. Now, some of you may think, you know what? I gave my life to Christ. I shouldn't have to worry about this anymore. This shouldn't be a worry anymore. It shouldn't be something I battle with. But I just want to remind you that the day you gave your life to Christ, the day you became a Christian, a battle began, right? And that battle is my spirit nature, the things that I want to do to please God are at battle with my flesh nature, Charlotte. So there's always going to be some kind of battle going on. And just to make you feel better, the apostle Paul said this, because he struggled in the same way as we did. In Romans 7, 15, he says, what I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another. 
doing things I absolutely despise. Okay, so he struggled with things just like we, we did, but I know today that this is a battlefield and a battle that we can win. And I really just want to have a practical, practical message today when it comes to our thoughts and how can we change our thoughts? How can we edit our thoughts? How can we do that? Proverbs 4:23 tells us this, carefully guard your thoughts because they are the source of true life. The Bible puts a huge importance on thoughts and says a lot about thoughts. It would be a great you know, study to go further on from what I can do today in the time that I have here, but it talks a lot about thoughts. It talks a lot about the things that are happening up here. What kind of thoughts are, are maybe some of the things that are sucking the joy out of us? What are some things? Negative thoughts, right? So, woe is me. My life is terrible. I'm never going to measure up. Something bad is going to happen. It's going to happen to me. This country is falling apart. My hair did not cooperate. Somebody ate the last Oreo, yada, 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 right? Negative thoughts can be something that we really, really battle with. Ring any bells? with anybody? What about fearful thoughts? Fearful thoughts. 2020 has been like the mother load of fear, right? It's just been one thing after another. What if I lose my job? What if I lost my job and I don't know how I'm going to feed my family? I don't know if I can make it. I don't, I'm afraid to go out in case I catch COVID. Uh, I'm afraid to send my kids to school in the next couple of weeks because I don't know how that's going to go. I'm afraid to go out because there's wildfires, hurricanes, riots out there, right? There is so much going on that can instill fear in us. And fear can be something that really, really is harmful for, uh, for us when it comes to our thoughts. And you notice I didn't even get started on politics when it came, right? There is so many things happening 2020 when it comes to fear. What about discontented thoughts? I don't like the way I look. I can't be happy unless I'm dating someone. I need to be married. I need to be not married. I wish my life looked like theirs. I wish I had a bigger house. wish I had granite countertops. I wish I had another bathroom. I wish I had a walk-in closet. I wish I had a better car. It can go on and on and on and on. And discontented thoughts can suck the joy right out of you too. Critical thoughts. Why would they do that? I cannot believe they went there. Did they really post that on Facebook? Do they understand that everybody can read what they posted? Why on earth is she wearing a yellow dress today? Why did they sing that song again? And in a couple of weeks, you can all be back to thinking, the temperature is just not right in this building. Why don't they fix it? It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too loud. They didn't have my bagel. We're not going to have your bagel, by the way, for a long time, just to give you a heads up on that one, right? So, so many discontented thoughts and critical thoughts can go through our heads. And all of these things are taking up space in our brain. Negativity, fear, discontentment, critical thinking. All of these things can suck the joy route out of me so that there is no way I can be a joy spreader because I don't have any joy to spread. So why is it so important for us to take care of those thoughts? Just a reminder, Proverbs 23, 7, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. 
So guess what? If I am thinking negativity, that makes me a negative person. If I am thinking fearfulness, that makes me an afraid person. If I am thinking discontented thoughts, I will be discontented. Okay? If I am thinking things as he thinks in his heart, so is he. 1998, I bought um, my first house, my only house, the house I, I'm still in. And you learn a lot when you buy a house. Everybody tells you you should buy a house, but they don't tell you all the things that are going to come along with buying a house. Buy a house, they say. They don't tell you you're going to work for the rest of your life to replace things you replaced seven or eight years ago already, or all the things you have to take care of or look after. And of course, with a house, usually comes along with a yard. And you have to learn all about this gardening thing that is going on. So this morning, I want to tell you what I have learned in, from gardening in the past 22 years of living in my house. And here's what I have learned about gardening. When you plant a seed, say I plant a sunflower seed, guess what grows when you plant a sunflower seed? Sunflowers. Deep stuff today. It's a family trait. Okay? If you plant lettuce seeds, you are going to get lettuce. If you plant carrot seeds, you get carrots. Whatever you plant in your garden is what is going to grow. If you take care of it, and we'll get to that part in a minute. But whatever I plant in there is what comes out at the end. Here's the deal. I spent a lot, a lot, a lot of money buying a house 22 years ago, but it is actually not my most valuable piece of real estate. The most valuable piece of real estate that I own is actually up here. Because this is where is going to determine who I am. So how can we turn our joy-sucking thoughts around? How can we change it so the things that are going on in my head are not full of the negativity, are not full of fearfulness, are not full of all those things? You know how we change it? We change it by deciding that I choose what grows in my garden. Okay? So just like my garden at my house, if it is a fresh plot and there is nothing in there, just dirt, I get to choose what grows in there. And here's the thing about your minds and your thoughts. It does not just happen what happens in your head. I often hear people say, well, it's the way my mind works. But actually, you know what? The way your mind works is what you trained your mind to do. It's what you have planted in your mind. It's the seeds that you have put in your mind. So what can we do to change our thought process? What can we do to get rid of the joy-sucking thoughts and become joy-spreaders? Number one, get rid of the bad seed. If I plant negativity in my mind, I will get negative thoughts, which will make me a negative person. Just like we talked about, as a man, thinks in his heart, so is he. Romans 12, 2 says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but be a new and different person with a fresh newness in all that you do and think. 
Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. It doesn't matter if everybody else is doing it. It doesn't matter if everybody else is consuming it. We are encouraged to actually be different. So if I wanna get rid of the negative and critical thoughts that are filling my mind, I cannot fill my mind with negativity. I need to get rid of those seeds. How do I do that? It may mean that you get rid of, wait, that didn't sound good. It, it may mean that you don't get rid of, but you don't start keep hanging around with negative people, okay? Getting rid of people is illegal, I think, but okay. But, right, so don't hang around with negative people. It may mean that you monitor what you are consuming when it comes to TV, social media, things like that. If there are two talking heads on the TV yelling and screaming at each other, negativity, guess what you're going to absorb and plant in your head? Negativity. If there are people who are spouting doom and gloom all the time, guess what's gonna be implanted or implanted into your head? Doom and gloom, okay? We know how things are outside of here, but you know what? I don't need that to keep infiltrating my brain to the degree that it takes away any joy I may have and therefore hinders me from spreading joy to other people. What do we need to do is we need to get rid of the bad seed. Fearful thoughts. If I want to get rid of fearful thoughts, you know what? Maybe I need to stop reading and consuming things that are making me fearful, okay? In the beginning of everything that was going on, my husband used to watch um, the governor every day with all the statistics and, and, and it was like, you know, we know it's bad out there. I would say to him sometimes, I just, I don't want to listen anymore. It's, it, I've had enough. I know how bad I, you know, I don't need to fill my brain with those things that are going on. Maybe you need to stop following certain groups on social media. Maybe you need to stop following certain people on social media, okay? Here, I'm gonna give you blanket permission. There's an unfollow button on social media, on Facebook. You can unfollow them, they don't even know you're not following. It just means you don't see their, their posts anymore. And it may be for some of you, for your own mental health, there are certain people that you need to just say, you know what, I just need to take a little bit of a break from the negativity, the criticalness, the, the fear that they're instilling into me. Worst case, there's a snooze button. You can snooze them for 30 days, okay? And you can just say, I just, I just need a little bit of a break from that. What about your discontented thoughts? It may be that you need to stop comparing your life, your family, your possessions to other people. Can I let you into a secret? Most folks' lives are not as good as they're putting up on social media anyway, sorry, right? A lot of people are posting things on there and they have the best angle. It took them 500 times to take a picture that looked really, really good of whatever it was that they took. Let's not be comparing our lives to other people. Let's not be people who are consumed with saying, I wish I had. I could really use, look what they have, look how good their family looks. I really wish my kids were doing what their kids are doing. Look at their house, man, I could use that kitchen. Look at that counters, look at everything they have there. 
Let's not be people who are discontented. If watching HGTV is making you so you wish, and honestly, one episode of House Hunters on HGTV, and you are going to meet the most discontented people you have ever met in your life because they need everything different than whatever the house is that they're looking at. If that's making you discontented, stop planting those seeds. Turn it off. Change the channel. Start thanking God for what you do have for your kids, for your life, for your car. If it gets you from A to B, that's what cars ultimately are for. So what do we need to do? First step, when it comes to changing our thoughts, get rid of the bad seed. Stop planting those things that are going to lead you to be a person who cannot be the joy spreader that you need to be. So number two, what do you need to do? Plant good seed right? Start planting good seed into your mind. If the Bible is God's thoughts and words, is there any better thing that I can sow into my mind? See, if these words will bring me healing, they'll bring me clarity, they'll uplift me, they will make me not afraid, they will make me a positive person, they will bring me peace, what better thing can you actually plant into your mind? Isaiah 26, 3. And I know dad's shared this one a few times in the past few months, but it's such an awesome verse. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You know what? If I am somebody who is racked with worry and just not sure about things and I need peace, how do I get peace? I fix my mind on the one who can give me peace. I fix my mind on the one who can take care of me. Colossians 3.2 tells us to do this. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. You set your mind on things on the earth right about now, your mind may actually just literally explode, right? Because there is just so much stuff going on. What do we need to do? Set our minds on godly things. Set our minds on God. So... What's the best way that you can do this? There are a few of them. I'm going to encourage you, and I do this. All. Your Bible, of course, reading your Bible every day, making sure you spend time in God's words, making sure you spend time with God is one way to do that. Another way to do that, spending time with other people who are going to be uplifting to you, who are going to be positive influences on you. You know, I realize things are not quite going to be the same, but if it is better for you and if you are comfortable doing so, it may be in two weeks you need to get back to establishing a routine of Sunday morning is where I, I go to church. Because in church, I can spend time with like-minded people. It's going to be different, okay? But just being in this room is going to help me and uplift me. But here's the thing I'm really going to challenge you with today. And it's something that a lot of us did when we were younger, but it's kind of a, a, a practice that may go to uh, fall away as we get older. When I was growing up, I grew up, of course, um, in the northeast of Scotland, and we were very involved, the church there, not, partly because dad was the pastor, so we had to be, but there was a lot of activities that happened every week in the church there. So every Sunday afternoon, we would spend time, it was kids' Sunday school. 
All right, so Sunday afternoon was kids' Sunday school. We get together with the kids. The, the more I look back, the amazing part about our Sunday school was, so it was a small village. It was about 1,500. So our local school had, I think, about 140 children. That was the whole school that I went to. So it was kindergarten through sixth grade. That was the school. Our Sunday school, on a Sunday afternoon, if there were 140 kids in the school, there were 135 who went to Sunday school. The whole village came. Everybody, it was just the same as going to school. It was the same kids who were there. The five who weren't there, their parents were absolute heathens and probably we didn't actually spend time with them. But every kid came to Sunday school on a Sunday afternoon. But then on a Tuesday night, we would have what was called Sunshine Corner. So Sunshine Corner was, we spent an hour. Kids again would get together. We'd go to church. I think it was six o'clock on a Tuesday night. We would go in there. And every week, Sunshine Corner was pretty much the same kind of schedule. So we would start, we would do some singing. And then, I'm about to prove how old some of you are. We would always have a lesson with a flannel graph. I don't know if anybody remembers the flannel graphs, okay? But it was always a flannel graph, the felt with the characters that they would move around the board kind of thing. But there was no DVDs or anything back then. I don't know. If, we had TVs, but I was about as good as it went. But then every week, we would also have the memory verse. And again, the routine was the same. Whoever was leading the memory verse, whatever volunteer that was, God bless them. Those people were amazing. The more I look back, every week they volunteered to do this. So every Tuesday night, one of the volunteers would get up. They would write a verse up on a whiteboard. And then we would all recite it together as a group. And then they would slowly erase words. And we would keep reciting it over and over until there was nothing left on the board. But we were still reciting this verse. And then if you remembered the verse for the next week, you would get a prize or you would get a ticket, I think, to spend um, in the store there. But every single week, we would uh, memorize a scripture. And I am going to suggest to you this morning, scripture memorization is something that is going to help you so much and really is something I would encourage that maybe we need to get back into. Because Here's the thing, I will be honest with you. Back long, long time ago that was, now I'm talking about kindergarten through sixth grade, whatever age I was back then. I played some sports or whatever. I cannot remember a single sports move that I was taught. I can't remember much of what I was taught in school, but I still at times, those memory verses will still come to mind. And here is why I know those are those memory verses and not ones from now. Because there are these and thous and therefores and yeas. Because it was King James Version back when dinosaurs roamed the earth. So those are the verses. They still come to my mind. Now, we are part of one of the most blessed generations there is. Because our Bible is pretty much on our person at all times. But actually, there are times when the internet goes down or when my phone dies or I don't have access to it. So if I want to be able to bring up good seed, it needs to be accessible. Why is scripture memorization so important? Number one, because God tells us to do it. Deuteronomy 11.8 says this, memorize these laws and think about them. Write down copies and tie them to your wrists and your foreheads to help you obey them. Not going to say you have to tie it to your forehead. Don't even understand how that works. Okay. But what if 
I had scripture available to me when I needed it. Number two, why is it so important that we have scripture memorized? Because when joy-sucking thoughts start to flood my mind, I can counter them with God's word. And there is also this fact, and I am not belaying anybody's mental capacity when I say this, but the older I get, I realize there's only a certain amount of space up there. So you know what? If I'm filling it with God's scripture, there's less room for all the other junk that could possibly fill the space that is going on up there. One of the perks of preaching on a Sunday is actually you get to know what the application is and you get to be thinking about it all week the week before. I am a notoriously bad sleeper. I don't sleep very well. I'm not very good at sleeping at all. Um, Having a brain that never shuts off works during the day, but at night it kind of can be dangerous. So actually this week when I was thinking about this and whatever, I was awake the other night with, I don't know, you don't even know, something stupid, I'm sure, on my brain. And I'd been doing some research on this and I'd read um, from a gentleman who suggested that you quote Psalm 23 at night if you're lying awake and you're, you can't sleep. So I started doing it the other night. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures you know what? And I got to the end and I was quite thrilled that it was a great one that I was able to do it. And I think I started it again, but I don't know because I actually did fall asleep. You know what? So many nights I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll grab this stupid thing. And then before I know it, I'm consumed in things that are happening 4,000 miles away from here. But what if at night I'm lying awake and if you're worried about your finances, or you're worried about where you're gonna go next. You're worried what is happening with your family. You're afraid because your kids are going to school next week and you have no idea what that's gonna look like. You're a teacher who's absolutely terrified because you don't know what you're doing when it comes to school next week. When all those things are consuming your brain, what if at night you were able, because it was up here, to lay in bed and say, you know what though? The Lord is my shepherd. It means he's taking care of me. I shall not want. You know what? He's taking care of what I of my needs. Another uh, version of that Bible uh, verse, of course, says, "The Lord is my shepherd; I have all that I need." Okay, so you know what? God's going to take. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. I'm just exhausted, God. I need peace. I need quiet. I just need time away. Oh yeah, He's got that. And just go through those verses. But you know, the only way that you are able to do that. The only way is if it's up here to start with. If I'm afraid any day, I lay in bed and I think, okay, Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. He protects me from danger. Whom shall I fear? And the more we plant God's seed into our mind, the more we have those things filling up the space, there is less room for the negativity There is less room for everything. See, for every joy-sucking thought, there is a counter in here. But I need to be able to know where it is because I am not always going to have access to a concordance. So let me encourage you with this. Here's your homework. How about you start with memorizing one scripture this week? And you know what? Here's here's my encouragement. If you don't already know it, Psalm 23, start with verse 1. If you know verse one, go to verse two. 
a great thing to know, but what if we started to fill that space? So write it down in places that you're gonna see it. Put it on post-its in your mirror. Put it, we have it in our house, we have a um, verse of the week and it's a thing that somebody had given me and I, every week there's a different verse that we put up there. It is right next to my refrigerator because I spend a lot of time by the refrigerator, right? So wherever it is that you're gonna spend a lot of time, what about you put it up there? Be like David, hide God's word in your heart so that you know it when you're really, really gonna need it. And the third thing, quickly, let me just say this. Number one, get rid of the bad seed. Number two, start planting good seed. And number three is this, you gotta keep tending your garden. It's not a one and done thing I have learned in 22 years of being a homeowner, okay? Here's the thing, time does not stand still if I say I'm done with this gardening, it's just too much work, I'm, I'm finished, stop growing. Doesn't listen that way. And here is what I have learned. If I do say I'm done with it, I've had enough of it, let's just paint the whole thing green, which Eric will tell you happens quite a bit in my house. Artificial grass, the whole thing, I don't care, okay? But here's the thing, if I do say I've had enough, I don't want any more, the good seed tends not to be the one that keeps growing. It tends to be eventually the good seed will die and the weeds will take over. The bad seed, seed takes over. Keep working on it. Keep saying, you know what, what can I do when it comes to my thought life? What changes can I make when it comes to my thought life? You know what, I don't want to be listening to this song. I don't want to be watching this TV show because it's planting impure thoughts in my brain. Okay, you know what, I don't need to be listening to this person. There's negativity plant being planted there. Let me spend time in God's word. Let me spend time memorizing scripture. What do I want to do? Philippians 4, 8 one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, and it just perfect to wrap this up. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. That is the verse that most of us will know and that Paul is encouraging us. And he knew exactly what it was to struggle, but he was encouraging us. Those are the seeds that we need to be planting into our thoughts. But I love what he says in the next verse that we often don't go on to. He says this, keep putting into practice all you learned. Keep putting it into practice. This is a dynamic process. This is not a one and done. If my thoughts determine who I am, this is something I need to keep working on. This is something I need to keep saying, you know what, what can I do better? What can I eliminate? What can I add? Who is better for me not to be listening to? Who should I be listening to? And to go on from there. If you want to have every tool in your arsenal to allow you to be a joy spreader, then we will need to keep fighting the battle of our mind continuously. But here's the great part. With God's help and with a little discipline, to be honest, on our part, because it is very easy to fall back into the bad ways. But with God's help, we are able to be people who will spread joy wherever it is that we go. Let's be people who are finding joy but let's be people who are working on the thoughts that are happening in our mind. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning.
We thank you that you are concerned with every single part of us and every single part of our being. And we thank you that you have entrusted us to be your joy spreaders on this earth. So we just ask now you'd help us. Show us the areas that maybe we need to stop listening to, we need to stop consuming, we need to stop thinking about and show us ways that we can absorb more of you, more of your word and more of what it is that you would wanna feed positivity into us. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name.